Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be covering Chapter 14 of Mysteries of Creation, Episode 693. will be on pages 132 to 144. The title of the chapter is God, Gods and Sons of God. I'll dedicate the program, and then we'll get right into the reading. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank thee, Father, this day for the opportunity to put these programs out where we're talking about thee and thy character and the things of the restored gospel that were taken from the earth through the apostasy of the church in the world especially because of the Romans and their influence and their undue influence on the early church We love Thee, Father, and we thank Thee for the atonement. We thank Thee, Father, that though we walk imperfectly, Thou has made a way for us to come back into Thy presence. We thank Thee, Father, for the angel that came from the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell in the earth in the last days crying with a loud voice, Repent ye, repent ye, the day of the Lord is at hand. We thank thee, Father, for the prophet Joseph Smith that received that message and was able to learn through thy servants that thou sent unto him, that he was able to understand and speak the restored gospel to those who would believe in here. We thank thee, Father, for the work of Joseph Smith and all that he tried to do in bringing forth Zion's redemption and laying the foundation for that redemption to happen at a later time. We, Father, would like to promote his work that he did for thee that wasn't his work but your work we recognize father that this is the work that you have given us to do to become tools in thine hand to bring forth zion's redemption and that before we are able to do that work we must understand what it is that we need to do in order to learn of thy ways and thy character. 
to turn back to the first works of the Restoration and to look past all that has happened and the changing of the ordinances and the changing of the gospel since the Restoration began, but to turn back to the first works and get back to Joseph Smith and the early teachings of the Restoration that we might understand what it is that you would have us do and that you would have us know. That we may be prepared as a remnant to go into the wilderness as Isaiah saw. That we might become born and become Zion itself. That we may be prepared to receive the fullness of the of the priesthood as a people that we may do thy work and be gathered in away from Babylon and the world as it falls that we might be thy people we love thee father and we ask for thy blessings to be upon us and we ask thee father to move upon us in the spirit that you would press us in the way that we should go we surrender our will to thee and give us the only thing that you gave us that that of our free agency that we might do thy will and become tools in thine hand that we might be tools in thine hand to bring about Zion's redemption that we may again see thy face and hear of thy words through the revelations and visions that thou gives unto the prophets, that we might be the prophets, seers, and revelators of our generation. We know that you are no respecter of persons, and we know that we have a great work to do. But that begins with knowledge. We love thee, Father, and we ask for thy blessings to be upon us. And do so in the name of our Messiah. Amen. Gods and Sons of God, Chapter 14 of Mysteries of Creation, Episode 693, Pages 132 to 144. God's many and Lord's many. Generally speaking, today's Christians believe there are only one God in all the universe, yet many passages of Scripture infer that there are others. Surely this must be one of the mysteries of creation, because in the first chapter of the Bible it says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 Then after the the tree of good and evil was planted in the garden, one of the greatest promises in the Bible was given when the serpent said, God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Real quick, little commentary here. 
I know that there's lots of pastors throughout the world that say, oh, that was the greatest lie that the serpent ever told. They assume that. It's not because they're prophets. It's not because they're inspired. They assume that the serpent was lying. The serpent was not lying. We're going to get into that and why the serpent wasn't lying. But... Just because the serpent says something doesn't mean it's a lie. In fact, the serpent speaks a lot of truth, but he does mingle it with lies. He twists it. So you can't just hear what the serpent says and think that it's true, which is something that a lot of people um, do. But then they also say, oh, well, the serpent said it, so it must be a lie. Well... The truth is neither on one end of the spectrum or the other. The truth is in the middle. And that particular uh, comment by the serpent was not a lie. Now, what the lie was is that after a time, the father would have... I believe the father would have given the fruit to Eve and to Adam, probably Adam first, but either way, it doesn't matter. What happened was that Adam and Eve went against what God commanded and they went first and did what they wanted to do instead of what God wanted. It's kind of like the same story as Abraham and Sarah you know, like they were waiting for God for a long time to give them their son, Isaac, but that didn't happen. And then Sarah decided to give her handmaiden over and, um, and they went forward and they did something out of God's timing. Um, and they transgressed in doing that. And that was the same thing that happened with Eve. Now, Eve understood that that in order for her to keep the commandments, she had to partake of the fruit because she knew that they were not able to have children until they did that. So she would have been breaking one of God's laws or the other, and she chose the lesser law to break because the greater law was that she should multiply and replenish the earth. So, anyway, I just think it's interesting. And it does upset me whenever I hear a pastor talking about how horrible Eve was because, like, because of her one act, the whole world fell. And we could have had it so nice if it wasn't for Eve. And that just comes from a complete lack of understanding because this world wasn't meant to be easy. God sent the serpent to this earth after he fell. And we're talking about Hasatan, who was Lucifer. He sent him to this earth. He could have sent him to Pluto. He could have sent him into the sun. He could have sent him anywhere else. He could have sent him to the moon. He did not have to send him here, but there was a reason for it. He sent him here 
to tempt us to make this world difficult because in adversity we grow the most in every single situation that is given in this life there is growth to be had in the eternities even the hard ones so and I don't expect people to completely understand that and we won't completely understand that until we're looking back after this life in the resurrection and we are learning lessons that we've learned in life, but there's so much more that we can learn after through a correct understanding of all the things that have happened to us in our mortalities. This is all part of gaining more great, uh, greater understanding that we might receive a higher resurrection. Anyway, continuing back with the reading, there was truth to that because after they ate of the tree, the Lord God or Jehovah or Yehovah our Elohim said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. Genesis chapter 3 verse 22. So here in Genesis 3, 4, and 5, the serpent says, God knows that you will know good and evil. Become as the gods who know good and evil. And then Jehovah, or Jehovah, our Elohim, says in Genesis chapter 3, 22, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. See, the serpent didn't lie. But a lot of pastors will say, oh, well, the serpent was lying. No, he wasn't lying. And Jehovah even admits right there in a couple verses later. See, they only take what they want out of context and they don't read the full the full uh, context of the scripture. That's how they can say that. And I've heard lots of pastors say that throughout the years. And it just drives me insane. Like, stop cherry picking scripture. But I think we all do it. Anyway, continuing on. Two important principles were revealed in this part of Genesis. Number one, that there was more than one God in the creation, because he said, let us make men in our image. And number two, that man could learn good and evil and become as the gods or the Elohim. Or, more importantly, the Council of the Elohim. Of course, they're on a greater exalted level than we are, but we can become like they are. We are all of the same substance. All of the gods came from the intelligence. And they advanced through their time and in their course to become exalted mighty individuals. Every single one under the direction of God the Eternal Father. And we also came from the intelligence. This life isn't... We weren't created as pets of God. We exist from eternity to eternity 
because the intelligence is eternal. And according to what God showed me when I was taken up in the spirit and I saw this and I was given instruction on it, like not mental, like I was given instruction with words that God communicated to me as I was watching this unfold, as he stood next to me. That when the intelligence becomes self-aware, that there is a flash of light and the intelligence becomes one masculine and one feminine spirit. And this is the birth of a spirit or the beginning of one male and one female spirit. But it, but it comes from the intelligence which is eternal, cannot be destroyed, cannot be created. We all come from this, every single one of us. And we have mothers and fathers who nurture us and assist us in the infancy of the spirit and we grow and we learn and we have um, we have personalities we have things that we need to work on every single one of us is different just like every child out there is different then when the time comes we go into mortality and we are given different circumstances and experiences so that we can grow and work things out. And we start off at low, a low-level resurrection when we obtain that resurrection, and we go to higher levels of resurrection as we put off the resurrection after each world before the beginning of the new one. And we go back onto a new earth and we gain more experience. And we don't just play harps in the heavens and praise God all the day long. But it's a very juvenile, even, uh, I don't know, just an immature understanding of what, like the Christians will say, oh, we do all these things. No, we don't. We don't. God has organized a pattern and a plan for us to gain more intelligence, to become more like he is. More like he and she is, because it's not just about God the Eternal Father. It's about God the Eternal Mother as well. Have you ever been a parent... Uh, and this is, I think a, a lot of women will understand this better than the men will. Have you ever been a stay-at-home mom? And you're with your kids all the time. And you love your kids, but it is nice to have intelligent conversation with adults. And you need that from time to time. My wife... <laughs> she um, she gets that at school because she's not a stay-at-home mom, but um, she's a kindergarten teacher, so she deals with five-year-olds all day long, and she needs 
she needs conversation with adults. And it's nice when you're, you know, when your husband comes home, if you're in that situation and you can talk to him, but, but, um, you need adult conversation with other people. And I think that's the way it is with God. Like he wants us to become like he is. And in fact, his work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man and to fill the universe with creation, with organized creation. Not that we all are children who are who are subservient to him, who never attain understanding to the point where we can be with him, like maybe not quite on his equal uh, plane because he is exalted above all exaltation. But he wants us to learn and to grow and to become more like he is. And so does our mother in heaven as well. God, the eternal mother. And the, the, the hosts of Elohim, whether they are male or female, they want us, their children, to become like they are. Continuing on, the prophet Joseph Smith knew from God that there is a plurality of gods, and he proved this for others by going into the Hebrew definitions. Quote, Some say, I do not interpret the scripture the same as they do. They say it means the heathen's gods. Paul says there are gods many and the Lord's many, but unto us there is but one God. But that makes a plurality of gods in spite of the whims of all men. Without a revelation, see, they, he's, he's starting off here, he's saying, some say that they interp- I interpret it wrong and that they, it's not the same interpretation that they have. But then he's like, without revelation, you're not going to know the correct interpretation ever. Because guess what? The interpretation doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. And in order to gain the wisdom to understand the correct interpretation, you must get it from God through revelation and confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, he goes on to say, without a revelation, I am not going to give them the knowledge of the God of heaven. On page 133 right now. So in order to get the truth from the God of heaven, you have to have revelation for yourself. That's why we can't just sit back on on our, our laurels, our behind, and and listen to other individuals talk about what the truth is. We actually have to get a revelation for ourselves. Continuing on, you know, and I testify that Paul had no allusion to the heathen gods. I have it from God. See, he got revelation for himself. And get over it if you can. 
see the truth does not the truth does not require you accepting it for it to be true it is true whether or not you accept it or understand it or reject it it doesn't matter it, the truth is the truth and joseph smith had the truth straight from god the same as i do i'm pretty sure that we have seen the same visions that we've been taught the same things continuing on i have a witness of the holy ghost he had a confirmation of the spirit i have a witness of the holy ghost and a testimony that paul had no allusion to the heathen god in the text I will show from the Hebrew Bible that I am correct, and the first word shows a plurality of gods, and I want the apostates, see the apostate Christians, which they all are, and learned men to come here and prove to the contrary, if they can. An unlearned boy must give you a little Hebrew. Bereshit baru Elohim, ait ashaimen, Vau Aretz, rendered by the King James translators, and that's the Hebrew, the first words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I want to analyze the word Bereshit, Rosh. Rosh means the head, and Shit means a grammatical termination. The baith was not originally put there when the inspired man wrote it, but it has been at, since added by an old Jew. Excuse me. Baru or signifies to bring forth. Elohim is from the word Eloi, which means God, in the singular number, and by adding the word Him, meaning Elohim, it renders it as gods in the plural. So the first reading in the Bible in the Hebrew tongue is in the beginning, the head, the Rosh, of the gods, the Elohim, brought forth the gods or the Elohim. Or as others have translated, the head of the gods called the gods together. I want to show you a little learning as well as other fools. Let me just say, when the King James translators translated it, they translated it as monog- uh, as um, not monogamous. Uh, what do you call it? They they believed in in one God, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost being one individual th- uh, in different incarnations or whatever. But they did not believe that there were more than one God. So they would have uh, skewed the translation to go along with their incorrect ideas. But in the Hebrew, when you look at the Hebrew, it bears it out. I want to show a little learning as other fools. The head God, or God the Eternal, organized the heavens and the earth. I defy all the world to refute me. In the beginning, the heads of the gods, or the council of the Elohim, organized the heavens and the earth. Now the learned priests and the people rage. 
and the heathen imagine a vain thing. See, he's quoting Psalms chapter 2. If we pursue the Hebrew text further, it reads, Bereshit baru erochimait ashaiman vau aretz. The head one of the gods said, Let us, who was us, the council of the Elohim, make a man in our own image. I once asked a learned Jew if the Hebrew language compels us to render all words ending in him, meaning he's talking about Elohim, in the plural, why not render the first Elohim plural? He replied, that is the rule with few exceptions. See, they make the the rule, the exceptions. Cause, because the modern Jew does not believe in a plurality of gods, even all through the Tanakh, it states that there are many gods. And they will dance around this subject and they will make all kinds of rules to like defend their false traditions. Now we only, there's Lord's many and God's many, but unto us there's one Elohim. There's one Elohim assigned to this earth. And that is Yehovah, our Elohim. He is the God that we worship. There are gods above him, there are gods below him, but he is the one that we turn to, okay? And under his direction is the father of this earth, who is Adam, who is Michael, Michael Adam. And there are his two counselors, God the Redeemer and God the Witness. God the Redeemer is Jesus Christ or Yeshua, and God the Witness comes in in, in physical mortality on the earth. Um, but before that, he is known as God the Witness or the Holy Ghost. But there is, we do not require worship. The one that we worship is our Father, Jehovah, our Elohim. He is the Elohim of this earth. Adam worships Jehovah our Elohim. Jesus worships Jehovah our Elohim. And I worship Jehovah our Elohim. And we do not want you to worship us, but we want you to turn to him and worship him. He is the one worthy of worship. Continuing on, that is the rule with few exceptions, but in this case, it would ruin the Bible. No, it wouldn't ruin the Bible. It would ruin their false translation of the Bible, their false traditions, the lies that they believe because they can't accept the fact that there are gods, there are other gods. And I'm, 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 Right now, I'm bringing to mind Isaiah uh, 64, where it talks about one God. That is the words of God, the Eternal Father. He says there are no others beside him. And that would not include his wife, wife because he and his wife are one. 
by taking that into account as he and his wife, God the Eternal Father and Mother are one, there are no others who are at their level of exaltation. There are no others. But under their direction, there are the Elohim or the Mighty Ones. And our God, Yehovah, our Elohim is one of them. In order to understand Isaiah 64, you have to have revelation for yourself. The interpretation of scripture does not belong to you. It belongs to God. And in order to understand it, you must have revelation for yourself. But continuing on, this learned Jew, he says that it would ruin the Bible if if it were translated correctly, which I completely disagree with him. He would actually, if he translated it correctly, he might come back to a correct understanding. But anyway, the learned Jew says that Joseph Smith was right in the very beginning. Oh, by the way, we're on page 134. In the very beginning, the Bible shows there is a plurality of gods beyond the power of refutation. It is a great subject I am dwelling on. The word Elohim ought to be in the plural all the way through, meaning the gods. The head of the gods appointed one god for us, that's Jehovah our Elohim, And when you take that view of the subject, it sets one free to see all of the beauty, holiness, and perfection of the gods. All I want is to get the simple naked truth and the whole truth. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 371 and 372. So I will begin to... So I will go to the old Bible and turn commenter today. I shall comment on the very first word of the Hebrew Bible. I will make a comment on the very first sentence of the history of the creation in the Bible. Baroshit. I want to analyze the word Beth in, by, through, and everything else. So, Baeth means in, by, through, and everything else. Rosh means the head. Sheet is a grammatical termination. When the inspired man wrote it, he did not put the bait there. An old Jew without any authority added the word. He thought it too bad to begin to talk about the head. It read first, the head one of the gods brought forth the gods. That is the true meaning of the words. Beru signifies to bring forth. If you do not believe it, you do not believe the learned man of God. Meaning you don't believe the one who actually knows the Hebrew. The learned men can teach you no more than what I have told you. Thus, the head God brought forth the gods in the grand council. What is it? That, that's the, the grand council of the Elohim. The head God called together the gods, or the Elohim, 
and sat in grand council to bring forth the world. The grand counselors sat at the head in yonder heavens and contemplated the creation of the worlds which were created at the time. See, at that council, Yehovah our Elohim was instructed to take Michael to create an earth, but there were other Elohim who were instructed to take their sons, and Michael is the son of Yehovah. He's the only begotten of Yehovah, the same as Jesus or Yeshua is the only begotten of Michael. But there were other Elohim at that grand council who were instructed to go and to create earths and other places in the galaxy and even in the universe. Because God, the Eternal's main goal is to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man and to spread the universe with organized creation. And how does he do that? He does that through his children who have become Elohim. Continuing on with Joseph Smith, I would not have introduced this testimony were it not to back up the word Rosh, the head, the father of the gods. I should not have brought it up only to show that I am right. And we're on page 135 at 24%. In the beginning, the head of the gods called a council of the gods, and they came together and concocted a plan to create the world and to people it. When we begin to learn this way, we begin to learn the only true God and what kind of being we have got to worship. Having a knowledge of God, we begin to know how to approach him and how to ask so as to receive an answer. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 348 and 349 and also 350. And uh, coinciding with Joseph Smith, there are other biblical references indicating a plurality of gods. The Lord your God, or Jehovah your Elohim, is an Elohim of Elohim, or a God of gods and a Lord of lords. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. The Lord God is Excuse me. It's actually 5.41 in the morning. I got up at like 4 something to start doing this today. The Lord God, the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knoweth, and Israel, he he shall know. Joshua 22, verse 22. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. Psalms 82 verse 1. And that in the Hebrew would be um, Jehovah standeth in the congregation of the mighty and he judges among the Elohim. Well, that's interesting. Maybe it, maybe it means um, talking about God the Eternal Father. 
who judges among the council of the gods or the Elohim. Anyway, continuing on, it says, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are the children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. And that's Psalms 82, verses 6 and 7. And Jesus Christ even quotes the scripture. Excuse me. And, and we might get to that uh, where Jesus, or I mean, Jesus Christ actually quotes that scripture. And if we don't, hopefully, I remember to uh, to tell you a little about it. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Psalms one thirty seven verses two and three. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of of kings and a revealer of secrets. Daniel 2, verse 47. And shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods. Daniel 11, verse 36. That's talking about the uh, Antichrist, I think. The Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Revelations chapter 17, verse 14. Jesus quoted from such scripture to prove the existence of plural gods. On one occasion, the Jews took up stones to stone Jesus, and he said, Many good works I show you from the Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because thou being a man makest thyself God. And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, Ye are gods? And if he called them the go- them gods unto whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God. John chapter 10, verses 32 through 36. See, that's the scripture I was talking about. See, even though they had all the signs and the wonders, they still couldn't accept Jesus because he did not... He he didn't lift up their false traditions he actually taught the truth and that was what rubbed them so wrong because they did not believe the truth they believed their false traditions even though their scripture was on Jesus's side it didn't matter they still wanted to stone him because what happens when we believe the lie the principle is in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 all they who believe the lie receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they do not love the truth. And I would add, they don't love the truth enough to to go get it from God. That's the problem. And because they don't love the truth enough to go to get it from God, to from God, they believe that they can't for one. They believe that God is a respecter of persons and he will not speak to them, so they just mingle the, their own mind with the word of God and the false interpretation they, that they have 
is a lie from the devil. And they get to the point where they will kill you for exposing the lie. They receive strong delusion that they are all damned because they do not love the truth. Jesus was called a God simply because he spoke and acted as God would speak and act. That's what makes gods out of men. For when we speak of God, we are talking of someone in a high and holy calling. Jewish scholars define God as another word for ruler or lawgiver. And certainly Jesus qualified in those areas. Other men, although only mortals, also were sometimes designated as gods. But how do men acquire such a title? Just as Jesus did. When men are called prophets, it is because they are speaking for God. They are always, are they always prophets? The prophet Joseph, Joseph Smith answered, I told them that a prophet was only a prophet when he was acting as such. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 5, page 265. Let me just say something about that. When God gave me the words to give to you and he taught me the things that he wanted me to share with you and he told me to be bold in my witness and I do that as a prophet. But I have opinions and ideas that do not fall under the auspices of me being a prophet. I'm a mortal man. God does not turn me into a puppet and stick my hand or his hand up my rear end and control my words. I still have free agency. I still make mistakes. So did Joseph Smith. Prophets are not perfect. None of us are. There was only one man who was perfect. I mean, take Elijah. Or not Elijah. Was it Elijah? Who sat in the cave and he, he like moped about how he is the only one. And God was like, look, there's more. There's a lot more. You just don't see it. You know? Like, that was Elijah having one of his pity parties. And, and uh, I think we all get that. Especially if you have ever been asked to do or to be to to be a prophet for one it's not an easy thing the whole world fights against you demons who recognize you will tell the possessed or or to force the the possessed to hate you for no reason that happens all the time like it's not easy to be a prophet Oh, man, I don't want to pause it, but I am yawning like crazy right now. We're only at 37%, but I'm going to get on with the getting on. So men can also acquire godliness, but only when he is acting in that manner. Moses held the keys of his dispensation, so he often acted and spoke for God. And as God, 
for the children of Israel. For example, God said to Moses, Blessed art thou, Moses, for I, the Almighty, have chosen thee, and thou shalt be made stronger than many waters. For they shall obey thy commands as if thou wert God. Moses chapter 1 verse 25. And thou, Moses, shall speak unto him, speaking of Aaron, and would put in his mouth, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do, and ye shall be thy spokes, and he, sorry, he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. Anyway, that's Exodus chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. The prophet Joseph Smith commented on this incident. The scriptures are a mixture of very strange doctrines to the Christian world who are blindly led by the blind, who I will refer to another scripture. Now says God, when he visited Moses in the bush, Moses was a stammering sort of a boy like me. God said, huh, stammering. Joseph Smith was stammering? Yeah, he was. God said, thou shall be a God unto the children of men. God said, Thou shalt be a God unto Aaron, and he shall be thy spokesman. I believe those gods that God reveals as gods to be the sons of God, and all can cry, Abba, Father, sons of God who exalt themselves to be gods even from before the foundation of the world. And they are the only gods I have reverence for. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 6, page 478. Noah was a god to, to the people in his era, and because they disobeyed his counsel, they were sent to the bottom of the sea, just as Pharaoh and his army, army armies were. Rebellion against Noah was rebellion against God. When a prophet receives the word of God, he then conveys that word and says, Thus saith the Lord, thus speaking as God to the people. In our day, Joseph Smith was a spokesman for God, and he clearly told the people, God made Aaron to be the mouthpiece for the children of Israel, and he will make me be a be God to you in his stead, and the elders to be a mouth for me. And if you don't like it, you must lump it. See, that's what Joseph Smith said. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 363. And that's what I say to you too. God has instructed me to give you instructions. He's told me to be bold in my witness. He's told me to teach you. He also told me, to tell you to come to Emory County and this is the gathering place of the remnant he told me where we will go when Babylon falls he did not give me 
timelines. I have no idea what the timelines are here. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm just going to live my life to the best of my ability. And I'm going to live where God told me to live. I didn't, I'm not from here. When Kim and I met, my wife and I met, I was living in St. Petersburg, Florida, and he told me to take Kim as my wife, and he told her, independent of me, in fact, he told both of us at the same time, um, and neither one of us had talked to each other about it, it never even crossed either one of our, our minds, but he told me to, to take her as my wife, and he told her to bear me children and ease my burden. So I moved from St. Petersburg, Florida, up to upstate New Hampshire, where we lived for about, I don't know, seven or eight months. And then God had us come to Utah. And then God instructed us, after we lived in Spanish Fork for three years, that we needed to come to Emory County. And I did. And we did. And we found some dumpy house in Orangeville, Utah. Because it was the only one that we could find that would fit our family. And we moved here at great... Um, it, it wasn't easy. But we did it anyway. On a really crappy income, we did the best that we could do. We left a lot of things in New Hampshire when we moved to Utah. But this is where God wanted us. We moved here to Emory County from Spanish Fork at great cost because this is where God wanted us. We lived in a crappy place for three years and we were able to move into this farm that we live in now that is uh, a couple miles outside of Huntington, Utah in Emory County. We have 10 acres. Uh, we've got a bunch of goats and, and a ton of chickens and it's a house that's big enough big enough for all of us to live in you know and this is where God told me to stay until it is too dangerous to remain here this is where God told me to to tell the people to come to as a gathering place now he's also told me to organize a church and I I consider this part of the ministry excuse me, of that church. But I'm reticent to do the church thing because I know how Joseph Smith was treated by his people. The ones who proclaimed to be his friends were his worst enemies. And I'm scared that, that I'm going to have the same problem. Also, when people see that I am not perfect, as no prophet is, that they're going to have problems with that. Joseph Smith had problems with that. I'm a rough individual, or I can be at least. I love God very much, and he has chosen me 
to be his witness, which I am, and he has told me to teach the people, and I do, but I'm not perfect. But when God tells me to tell you that Emory County is where he wants you and you don't listen, we can go back to what Joseph Smith just said in this quote that we just read. He will make me be a God to you in his stead and the elders to to be a mouth for me. And if you don't like it, you must lump it. That's what Joseph Smith said. I wish that I wasn't the the spokesman on the earth. God has given me uh, hard truths that you don't want to hear. Like the fact that the priesthood was severed in July of 2013. That is something a lot of people do not want to hear. But it goes along with the... Another thing people don't want to hear is that in 2003, the father placed his physical hands upon my physical head and gave me the fullness of the priesthood with all of the keys of the priesthood, the church and the kingdom. Um, He made me one mighty and strong before the foundation of this earth. And then after the war in heaven, he chose me as one mighty and strong to be the witness of the Father and the Son. That's a hard thing for people to hear. They don't accept it. Even though Joseph Smith talked about these things when he said that God the witness or the Holy Ghost was waiting to take himself a body to come to do the same or similar things as Jesus did. My job is to set the house of God in order. Part of the way I'm supposed to do that is by teaching the people, they who have been weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, as Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 28, where the one mighty and strong would go among the drunkards of Ephraim. And why are they drunk? Because they they are going... They're drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great. Instead of being the bride of Christ, which they should be, and being obedient to the the restoration, which includes united orders, and the law of consecration, and all of the other things, the gathering of Israel, just all of these things that were restored, over time, they have done away with all those things and they have proclaimed that they are not important. But Jesus Christ, in the 1886 revelation, he says that he has never abrogated or done away with any of his law. What he restored to Joseph Smith is still important. And in Genesis chapter uh, 9 of the Joseph Smith translation, It states that when a people will do all that I have commanded and they establish Zion below, they shall look up and Zion shall come down from above with the church of the firstborn. Now, none of that, all of that has to happen in order for Adam and Andiamen to happen. And 
the church as a whole and every single restoration group that there is out there, they do not do the things that God has commanded. And it's not just talking about the restoration. It's talking about all that he has commanded. He has not done away with any of his his law or his instructions. Yeah, we as mortal beings on this earth, we want to pick and choose what it is that we should do and then just ignore the rest. And this is apostasy. Also, even if there were a people who were doing everything that God had instructed them to do without the keys and without the fullness of the priesthood, the house of God cannot be set in order. And I was foreordained to receive those things in the spring of 2003, which did happen. So, anyway, we're on page 138 at 47%. The prophet Joseph indicated that before the world was created, there were three personages called gods who were to come down upon this earth. Okay, now let's just read this. Three people, all three of them are supposed to come down upon this earth. An everlasting covenant was made between three personages before the organization of this earth and relates to their dispensations of things to men on the earth. These personages, according to Abraham's record, are called God the First, the Creator. That's Michael. Remember, the Council of the Elohim instructed Jehovah our Elohim to take Michael down to create an earth and Michael created it he organized it he named all of the the plants and all of the animals he's the creator he's God the first the creator second God the second or the redeemer that is Jesus Christ and God the third the witness or testator teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith page 190. Now, a lot of people in the fundamentalist groups believe that Joseph Smith was God the witness, but that's kind of hard to to get around DNC section 130 and the lecture at the Grove, because Joseph Smith clearly taught there that God the witness or the Holy Ghost was still in a state of, of spirit that he had not yet taken a body. And he even proclaims those things as recorded in Andrew E. Hatt's works, the, the words of Joseph Smith, where I'm paraphrasing it, but basically it says God, or the Holy Ghost, is waiting to take himself a body to come to do the same or similar things as Jesus did. Now, who in all of the scriptures has a three and a half year ministry where they're actively in Jerusalem and they are prophesying, they're actually even controlling the elements and no one can kill them until the time is for them to die. And one of them 
are, well, they're both called the two witnesses. It's Revelations chapter 11. God the witness is one of the two witnesses. And he is sent on the earth. Joseph Smith was an Elias to lay the foundation for Zion's redemption, but it is up to God the witness to come down and finish the work. Now, in this dispensation, there are five who are mighty and strong. Joseph Smith was mighty and strong. He is the Elias. There is another who is an Elias as well. And then myself, God the Witness, coming upon the earth. And there are two others who assist in the work. So... I know it's hard for people to understand that and people think I'm just making up a bunch of things, but when you get into the millennium, you'll look back upon this time and you'll say, oh, why didn't they, why didn't they see it? Especially people who who are from other dispensations. Like we look back upon Jesus Christ and we say, why didn't the Jews understand? Well, the same test that the Jews have had with Jesus Christ is currently the test that the people of Ephraim are having and the people of the world, the Gentiles as well. Anyway, continuing on, there are several important points of doctrine in this one sentence. Number one, these three personages were called gods. Number two, they all had a dispensation on the earth. So let me just go over that. The first dispensation was the dispensation of the morning, the morning star. That is Adam. The second dispensation was the dispensation of the bright and morning star. That is Jesus Christ or Yeshua, our Messiah or Mashiach. And the third dispensation is the dispensation of the evening star who comes in the evening of the history of this celestial earth, and that is God the witness in the flesh. Number three, the first dispensation was the creators. Number four, the second dispensation was the dispensation of God uh, the Redeemer. And the last dispensation is the dispensation of God the witness. An important key to learning the identity of this witness called a God was given by the prophet Joseph Smith himself. He explained that in the last days, the gospel would be committed to a witness with the keys of the priesthood. And that uh, Read all of uh, teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 364 and 365. Now, Ogden Kraut was a was an independent fundamentalist and he believed and I think it was taught by Joseph Musser that Joseph was God the witness in the last days in the last dispensation but let's get back to two things actually three first Doctrine and Covenants section 130 was given to Joseph Smith by God and God told Joseph Smith that God the witness was in a yet a spirit it did not have a body in that day and age 
Joseph Smith did have a body and a spirit, but God the witness did not, or the Holy Ghost did not. Joseph Smith further taught this in, in the lecture at the Grove, which was his last lecture that he gave before his death in June of 1844. There's another thing that people don't see. In DNC section 50, that whole that whole um, chapter, it's not Jesus Christ or the Father that's talking to Joseph Smith. Because at the end of the chapter, you're going to see something very interesting that most people skip over. God the witness tells Joseph Smith, and the day shall come that you shall see me and know that I am. Well, Joseph Smith had already seen the Father and the Son, but he had not yet seen God the witness. But that that day would come. That's what God the witness says in that revelation. The day has not yet come, or the day would come when you shall see me and know that I am. It's one of the few places in Scripture where God the Witness is speaking directly to anyone. And, he, and, and I chose to speak to Joseph Smith at that time. Now, I didn't just come up with this off, my, off the top of my head. It was something I never even thought of until January of 2013 when the father, Michael, came to me and he said, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. When I knelt down before him, he took me up in the spirit, not in the flesh, and I was taken up in the spirit and I was taken to a a vision of the past where I saw the throne of God, the father, and the throne of God, the the Redeemer, and the throne of God, the Witness. And I saw Michael stand in front of his place, and Jesus stand in front of his place, and Lucifer stand in front of his place. And I saw Lucifer rebel, and I saw the war in heaven and what happened. And after Lucifer had his name and title stripped from him, and he was cast out and he, he received a new name, which was Hasatan or the accuser. I saw that God, the throne of God, the witness was vacant. Now, there's one thing. I never realized that, that Lucifer was a title that meant uh, the bearer of light and truth. I did not realize that Lucifer held the position of God the witness that he was a God and he is a fallen God that's how he can be the God of this world he was a God he achieved the level of the lowest or the lowest level uh, level of Godhood but he had his title stripped from him and he became Hasatan or the accuser I saw the Father and the Son come down among us who are mighty and strong, and there were 12 of us. And I was chosen from among them 
to take the place of God the witness, and I became the new bearer of light and truth. When I saw that, it took me a minute to process it because it was so much more than I had ever even... I never even thought about this. I knew that I had seen the Father and the Son 10 years before that in 2003, but it never occurred to me that, in fact, I even believed that Joseph Smith was probably God the Witness as the fundamentalists uh, teach. But when it finally occurred to me what I was seeing, I turned and looked at our father, Michael, and I said, am I the witness? And he got this big smile on his face and he says, well, it has to be somebody. As if like the look on his face was like, you are finally starting to get it. And I don't know that I'm getting it all Like, I don't know that I'm perfect in all of my understanding, but like the things that God has shown me, I never even thought about before. And it was a complete shock. I just had my jaw dropped and I was like, why? (laughs) Like, like, why me? Like, I do not, I don't feel equal with, with the father or the son. I don't feel equal with the prophets and the scriptures. I don't understand why. And when I asked why, he said, it's not because of who you were or are on this earth. It's because of who you were before you came here. And then Jesus Christ, back in 2003, he told me all the hard things that I've been, that I have had to go through, that he allowed this to happen that I might become the servant that he needed me to be. And I've gone through plenty of hard things in my life to prepare me for this. And I'm still being prepared because there's a lot of things that I will have to do as part of my job as the witness on this earth before the end comes. But, but Ogden Kraut and under other fundamentalists, they'll say, oh, well, Joseph Smith was clearly God the witness. Even though that contradicts Doctrine and Covenants section 130 and it contradicts Joseph Smith's statement in the lecture at the Grove. And it also goes against the witness, you know, in, in DNC section um I believe it's 50. It could be 45. For some reason, my mind is thinking of DNC 45, and I'm not sure why. But I believe it's in 50. But the day will come, then you shall see me and know that I am. Also in Joseph Smith history, when the angel Moroni comes to Joseph Smith, he says... Um, He talks about Isaiah chapter 11, which is talking about the stem, the root, the rod, and the branch. And he's talking about Acts chapter 3. And 
that that man of Acts chapter 3 was Christ or is Christ, but the day had not yet come when he would be rejected by his people? Well, if you go to Acts chapter 3, it's talking about the man like unto Moses. And Moroni is saying that this man is a Christ, but the day had not yet come when he would be rejected by his people. Well, Messiah ben Judah, who is Yeshua, who is who we call Jesus, had already been rejected by his people. So it's not talking about Jesus Christ, it's talking about Messiah ben Joseph. Now, was Joseph Smith rejected by the majority of his people? No, if he had been, we wouldn't have the church we have today, and there wouldn't have been tens of thousands of people going across the plains because they accepted Joseph Smith. There wouldn't be all these branches of the restoration that have been broken off all throughout the Americas and partially in Europe if Joseph Smith had been rejected by his people. So it's not talking about Joseph Smith. It's talking about God, the witness, come in the flesh who would be rejected by the majority of his, his people. And it's why Isaiah talks about a small remnant who is, those are the ones who redeem Zion. Because that small remnant will be the ones who accept God the witness who has come in the flesh and does walk among them. In fact, there seems to be some contradictions in the scripture when you think that Jesus is is the only Messiah that will come among you because when it talks about when Jesus talks about like don't don't believe that um, that every everybody that says that I've come in the desert or whatever like he says you know when I come every eye shall see me everyone it won't be a secret coming But Joseph Smith also talked that the Messiah would walk among his people as commonly as one man walks with another. That's because he's not speaking of God the uh, the Redeemer or Messiah ben Judah. He's speaking of Messiah ben Joseph who does walk as commonly as one man walks with another. He walks among you. He attends your meetings and your churches. He has a job as a truck driver. Lots of people don't know who I am and I walk as commonly as one man walks with another that I know who I am. And even with the... Oh, I don't know what the word is for. Even with... Like, the fact that God has told me to do this, I still try to live a normal life. I do not ask for people's money. I do not want power over them. But I am here to proclaim the witness that God has asked me to proclaim and do the work that he has asked me to do. And I also want to have a normal life. I love my wife and I love my kids. And I like my goats and my chickens and my cats and my dog.
we have a new dog, by the way. We adopted um, Lulu, and uh, she is an older dog. And uh, I know that those of you who listen to me know that my other dog died, and uh, it was very sad what happened. But um, but there was a man down in Farron, Utah, who died, and his family couldn't take his dog. So we're watching over his dog until she dies and can be reunited with him. And she is a good dog, and but she's an older dog. Uh, but now we have her in our lives for however long, however many years. I think she might be 10. I think she's some kind of a lab. Anyway, so I don't know how long she'll live. Hopefully at least five years, but she's a good dog. Anyway, but I, with the exception of the pain that I have in my body, I really enjoy my life. I love my job. I love driving a truck. I really like this job that I do hauling oil now. But I don't talk about these things among them because I'm not sent to them. I'm sent to the drunkards of Ephraim. And who are the drunkards of Ephraim? They are those who are the religious of Ephraim who believe in Joseph Smith and take him somewhat seriously, but they are so drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great that they go whoring off after that God instead of the God that they should be a bride to, Jesus Christ, You know, and I am calling out the remnant among them. And it will be the remnant among them who hear this voice who will be the ones who are chosen to redeem Zion. So let me just read this. Okay, this is Ogden Kratz's opinion, but we're at 51%. Joseph was that witness in the last days with the last dispensation. He was a witness of the Father and the Son, of the Creator and the Redeemer. So then Joseph Smith was God the, the Third, or God the Witness, yet he was a mortal man and had to suffer all the trials of this world to become exalted as a God with the fullness of glory. Joseph had to prove himself worthy of that crown in mortality, even though he had been called a God and chosen to this high office and calling before he ever came here. So let me just, it contradicts DNC section 130 and the lecture at the Grove. Joseph Smith was one mighty and strong who was an Elias to open up this dispensation. The same as John the Baptist was an Elias to prepare the way for, for Jesus Christ. Joseph Smith was an Elias to prepare the way for the redemption of Zion, and he laid the foundation, but it is up to God the witness to build up to the capstone. Anyway, um, and Ogden Kraut also goes on to quote, Every man who has a calling to minister to the inhabitants of the world has ordained 
to that very or was ordained to that very purpose in the grand council of heaven before this world was. I suppose I was ordained to this very office in that grand council. See, and that's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 365. But Joseph Smith wasn't saying that he was God the witness in that in that quote. He was just talking about how he was sent to be a prophet. Anyway, we're at 55% and we're on page 139 if you're reading along. Jesus was also on that council and was called a God. And similar to Joseph Smith, he also had to come down and suffer all things in order to receive his exaltation and receive a fullness of glory. Even though Jesus was called a God before the creation of this earth, he had to become mortal before receiving his exaltation. Again, we see that titles and offices often have more meaning than appear on the surface. Some spirits before the creation of this earth were called gods. Mortals on earth can be called gods, being heirs with God and joint heirs with Jesus, qualify men as gods. And when men are crowned in the celestial kingdom and inherit thrones, kingdom, principalities, powers, dominions, all heights and depths which glory shall be a fullness and continuation of the seeds forever and ever, then shall they be gods because they have no end. Doctrine and Covenant, section 132, verses 19 and 20. We may assume then that the term God can apply to pre-mortal spirits, mortal men, and or resurrected, exalted beings. <clears throat> Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph Smith, and many others were referred to as gods on the basis of their calling, office, and appointment because of such an appointment. They spoke and acted for God as gods. <clears throat> Brigham Young understood Joseph's important position as a god to the people when he stated, If I ever pass into the heavenly courts, it will be by the consent of, of the prophet Joseph. If you ever pass through the gates into the heavenly city, you will do so upon the certificate that you are worthy to pass. Can you pass without his inspection? No. Neither can any person in this dispensation, which is a dispensation of the fullness of times. In this generation, and in all generations that are to come, everyone will have to undergo the scrutiny of this prophet. And that's Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 224. <laughs> We're on page 140. Joseph, like Moses, was that that kind of God. President Young ref, further states, Some have said I was very presumptuous to say that Brother Brigham was my God and my Savior. Brother Joseph was his God. The one that gave Joseph the keys of the kingdom was his God, which was Peter. Jesus Christ was his God, and, and God the Father of Jesus Christ was Adam. Teachings of President Brigham Young, Volume 3, page 95. 
sons of God. Godship and Godhood are the natural evolution for righteous men. For since they are the children of God, they may grow in maturity and knowledge to be like their father. Orson Pratt explained, Every kind of being begets its own like, and when fully matured and grown up, the offspring become like the parent. So the offspring of the Almighty, who begot us, will grow up and become literally gods or the sons of God. Here is another doctrine wherein we differ from the world, perhaps not so much differ either, for they do sometimes believe in the, that passage of scripture which speaks of gods. If they called them gods unto whom the word of God comes, Jesus says, or in other words, to that effect, why then do you find fault with me because I made myself, make myself the son of God? If those prophets and inspired men, such as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, and others to whom the word of God came were gods in embryo, why do you find fault with the only begotten of the Father so far as the flesh is concerned because he makes himself the Son of God? We then shall become gods or the sons of God. That's Journal of Discourses, volume 14, page 242. We're on page 141. It's 71%. Joseph Smith gave additional information on the heirs or sons of God when he stated, How consoling to the mourners when they are called to part with a husband, wife, father, mother, child, or dear relative, to know that although the earthly tabernacle is laid down and dissolved, they shall rise again to dwell in everlasting burnings, in immortal glory, not to sorrow, suffer, or die any more, but they shall be heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What is it? To inherit the same power, the same glory, and the same exaltation until you arrive at the station of God and ascend to the throne of the eternal power, the same as those who have gone before. <clears throat> Joseph's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 347. Brigham Young explained that the power of creating worlds is not given to men until they become exalted as gods. Now, if you believe what you have heard me say, you will believe there is Lord's many, gods and God's many, and you will believe that unto us, the inhabitants of this earth, there is but one God with whom we have to do and according to the, the tenor of the Bible, we believe there are many, very many who have entered into power, glory, might, and dominion and are gathering around them thrones and have power to organize the elements and make worlds and bring into existence intelligent beings in all their variety who, if they are faithful and obedient to their calling and the creation 
will in their turn be exalted in eternal kingdoms of the gods. Do you believe that? Teachings of the Prophet Brigham Young, Volume 3, page 352. We're at, we are now on page 142 at 78% of the reading. The Lord created you and me for the purpose of becoming gods like himself. When we have been proved in our present capacity and been faithful with all things he puts into our possession, we are created, we are born for the express purpose of growing up from the lowest state of manhood to become gods like unto our Father in heaven. That is the truth about it, just as it is the Lord has organized mankind for the express purpose of increasing in that intelligence and truth which is with God until he is capable of creating worlds on worlds and becoming gods, even the sons of God. Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 93. John Taylor renders a beautiful and correct interpretation of God and of I'm sorry interpretation of John the Beloved's great revelation. John says, "And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the mount of Zion. And with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads." Revelation chapter 14 verse 1. Their father's name, bless me, that is God. Well done for Mormonism, 144,000 gods among the tribes of Israel and two living gods and the Holy Ghost for this world. Such knowledge is too wonderful for men unless they possess the spirit of of gods. It unravels the little mysteries which, like a fog, hide in the serene atmosphere of heaven and look from world to world, from system to system, and from universe to universe, and from eternity to eternity, wherein each and all there is a presidency of gods, and gods many, and lords many, and from time to time, or from eternity to eternity, Jesus Christ shall bring in another world regulated and saved as this will be when he delivers up it up to his Father and God and becomes all in all. As John the Revelator said, and there are and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Revelation chapter 22, verses 3 and 4. And we're on page 143 at 86%. His name in their foreheads undoubtedly means God on the front of their crowns. For when all things are created new... In the celestial kingdom, the servants of God, the innumerable multitude, are crowned and are perfect perfect men and women in the Lord, 
one in glory, one in knowledge, one in image. They are like Christ, and he is like God. Then, oh then, they are all living gods, having passed from death unto life and possessing the power of eternal lives. And that that was recorded in Times and Seasons, Volume 6, pages 806 through 807, which was released February 15th, 1845. Excuse me. The most revealing statement concerning God's becoming creators was given in a discourse by President Brigham Young. Quote, It is supposed by this people, the Latter-day Saints, that we have all the ordinances in our possession for life and salvation and exaltation, and that we are administering in these ordinances. This is not the case. We are in possession of all of the ordinances that can be administered in the flesh. But there are other ordinances and administrations that can or that must be administered beyond this world. I know you would ask what they are. I will mention one. We, the, we have not, neither can we receive here. The ordinance and keys of the resurrection. We hold the authority to dispose We hold the authority to dispose of, alter, and change the elements, but we have not received authority to organize native element to even make a spear of grass grow. Sorry. Another item, we have not the power in the flesh to create and bring forth or produce a spirit but we have the power to produce a temporal body. The germ of this God has placed within us. And when our spirits receive our bodies and through our faithfulness, we are worthy to be crowned We will then receive authority to produce both spirit and body. But the keys we cannot receive in the flesh. Herein, brethren, you can perceive that we have not finished and cannot finish our work while we live here. No more than Jesus did while he was in the flesh. We cannot receive while in the flesh the keys to form and fashion kingdoms, and organize matter, for they are beyond our capacity and calling beyond this world. In the resurrection, men who have been faithful and diligent in all things in in the flesh have kept their first and second estate and worthy and worthy to be crowned gods, even the sons of God will be ordained to organize matter. And that's, uh, sorry, that's Journal of Discourses, volume 15, page 137. This makes it clear that Jesus could not have organized this earth or any other earth in his pre-mortal state. 
he had to come into mortality and receive a glorified resurrection. And when he ob- obtained the keys, the authority and power to organize matter for an earth, the fullness of glory and power to organize was a world and power to organize a world is received only after resurrection. It is then that men become gods with a fullness of glory. So anyway, that's the end of that chapter. When we come back and we start another chapter, we will be on chapter 15, starting on page 145. And the chapter will be titled, A Fullness fullness of Glory. So, so anyway, that's the end of this, uh, this podcast. And, uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening. I know this one's a little bit longer than the other ones. Um, but I try to get one chapter in hopefully under three hours and we're only at one hour and 40 minutes. So I guess I did all right. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless. And goodbye. Sons